week of September 17, 2014. This is Tribune Sports Radio. I'm your host, Ben Raskin. Today we've got Kevin Winter Morris. How you doing, Benny? Chris Camrani. Back. And Mr. Kyle Goon. Return of the Mac. <laughs> hey, so before we jump into all the sports and stuff like that, I think we should. Uh, we have an ex colleague of you guys that uh, recently had some nuptials announcement and stuff like that. So I think it's appropriate for all of us to send our best wishes and hopes to Mr. Bill Orem right now. and. Thank him for a, an appropriate online uh, announcement of uh, such a happy day. I actually, he had to text me individually because I'm not on Facebook. So oh, I, I, I learned directly. I never heard of Bill Warren. Who is he? I can't, I can't really Come. comment on it. I have several monetary wagers on this <laughs> upcoming event. So I can't really talk about it. Yeah, but but conflict of interest? But let's just say this mazel tov to Mr. Oram, uh, ex-Tribune uh, writer on the Jazz Beat. But uh, let's jump into some sports that we have here right here in the Valley. How's that for a nice awkward opening, Cahill? <laughs> I wish this was a video cast because if you could see his face, he is absolutely beat red right now. And as, I, as beat red as Kyle Goon can get. Probably because he took, he took the under. So uh, yesterday, I got to go out and cover uh, Corner Canyon uh, taking care of business against Skyline and Girls Soccer. And I was watching a, a young girl named Bailey Bruner. Uh, scored her first multi-game, she had her multi, first multi-goal game of the year, scoring a hat trick uh, for the Chargers. Off in the back, because it was done at Skyline, I was listening to the Skyline boys football team practice and just kind of ch- watching both of the events go on. And in uh, listening to the music they had going over the PA, I knew two things. One is that uh, they were listening to Pandora because there was a commercial break every four songs. Awesome. And two, they were playing a lot of Stone Temple Pilots, a lot oh, of yeah. Tool, Radiohead, what, and Pearl Jam. And that. What about Spin Doctors? No Spin Doctors. On I, that's, that's, what, what that's, channel that's who do you I think that is? That's who I want. I, I almost got to guarantee it's the Pearl Jam stat channel on Pandora because that's the one I listen to. But so I knew at that point in time the guy who's in charge of the PA music had to have graduated from high school in 91 to 93. Yep. Spin doctors, man. Yeah. Not enough spin doctors. <laughs> but let me ask you this: If you had, if you had to host, if you had to uh, run a, a high school football team uh, practice, what would what music would you pick? I Are mean, we doing like top three? I'm top glad. Five? I'm glad we picked such a strong opening issue. No, no there's this, so much this doom and gloom in yeah. the NFL right now. I'd rather talk about you know the future of the NFL. It's right here in Salt Lake City with these great athletes. What are these like, kids listening to? What what's I, tr- I tried to avoid ACDC because that was that's just something that's been shoved down our throats, I think, in high school football since probably the yeah. 80s, right? I mean, it yeah. was, right? Go ahead. Be on American. They're well, Australian. I know. ACDC's Australian. But we, I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure society. they're like Puerto Rico. They're like a U.S. territory. The, the annexation state? of Puerto Rico. Wow. I would do I would do Beastie Boys. Uh, Beastie AC, Boys would be on my list. You're gonna get some House of Pain in there. Yeah. I'm doing the soundtrack to Sound of Music. All right. You know, I'm I'm gonna try something new. I'm gonna try. You know, nothing says go out and hit someone and knock the snot out of them quite like Edelweiss. <laughs> Kevin's just saying that because he knows I was Captain Von Trapp in high school and he's trying to get a serenade, <laughs> but you're not gonna get it. What? What? This is Old the dollars come out. What? what Breaking news. Huh? Senior Junior year? year? No. Captain. Two thousand five. Fall of two thousand five. So what? You- Junior year? No, senior. Senior year. Yeah, so senior year. Hey, Kyle no, is uh, no, no. Captain Von Trapp. What, what's happened to, uh, what happened to Maria? Nope. Nope. No, 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 no. Let's do some reporting here, gentlemen. Kyle, what, what happened to the young lady who played Maria? Where is she now? I really just want to say she died, but that's not true. 
That would be dark. But just dark. No, she's she's in Virginia. Where UVA is going to play BYU this week? <laughs> Very good. Isn't that, ladies and gentlemen, listening? That's a better transition than I've ever written in we my whole that. life. Yeah. We wrote this whole thing out just right. so it'd do that. Uh, well, we're not going to be going to uh, BYU Cougar football quite yet. We're actually want to talk about some of the. Uh, we are going. I want to ask Chris and you guys a couple of questions about the NFL. Nothing to do with the Adrian Peterson and all the suspensions going on there. But uh, watching the home opener with the 49ers. Oh. Good. So I know you're a big 49er fan, so I guarantee you watched it. But um, besides them giving, you know, besides them basically laying a, 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 tur- a turkey on that game and stuff like that, how impressive is that stadium? It's not impressive. You don't think they so? They never should have left Candlestick. Okay, why? I don't know. I'm just that's where I saw my first baseball game. It's where I saw my first football game. I'm tied to that place. Levi's just seems way too. Apple, like iPhone generation for me. Like, give me candlestick. Give me a place where you literally can't walk a block without being stabbed. Legit- yeah, legitimately, legitimately scared. Yeah, yeah, so um, it looks cool, but it's not. I, I hate to be this way, but it's not CenturyLink. Yeah. I mean, I was just at CenturyLink last week for the RSL game, and it, every time I go there, man, it's. It's, it's it's just eh, it's Levi's Stadium. I mean, jeans. Come on, man. You better than that. It looked like a, a general store did have a baby with an Apple iPhone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it has to, no per, no personality. It's like it's a forced personality. Yeah, exactly. And they have like some garden where you can go and watch a game, and you can sit in this extensive press or not a press box, but a, the suites with all these <laughs> options. Man, give me candlestick, man. Give me. Give me like a forty-five degree night, a, a candlestick for Monday night, fo- Sunday night football. Don't With visibility. Don't give me yeah, yeah. The fog rolling Don't in. give me eighty-five degrees in Santa Clara. Yeah. Don't give me that. With uh, but I'm watching it. There was times in the middle of the game where I was looking at the screen, and I swear for half a second I thought I was watching a Madden uh, play X, Xbox game. Yeah, it's it's they have a huge huge screen, and I and to to localize that uh, RSL owner Deloy Hansen went out to Levi Stadium for a tour a couple months ago because mm-hmm. he wants to put in a, a huge new jumbotron at Rio Tinto, and I think they want to do something similar, maybe not as big because yeah. that might be as big as Rio Tinto itself. But yeah, I'm with you. It, it's even go to like Energy Solutions. I went to one Jazz game last year and. The boards literally took my focus away from the game because yeah. they were that daunting. Yeah. I, I feel like there's some things to be said here about stadiums as gathering places more than venues. I mean, it's like there's so much concentration, and you really kind of see it um, maybe the best through Jerry World where Jer- Jerry Jones kind of built, the, the what, the, the country's biggest stadium? Yeah. Still the country's biggest stadium, and just like the huge video board, they got hit by a punt one time. <laughs> it's, it, 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 it happens. It happens a lot. They have a ruling on that. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's still alive, right? Yeah. yeah and it's they had just a puncher like, who kept hitting it on purpose. Kept doing it on purpose just to make a point. That was good. That was good. But, but that might have been Matt Turk. But the emphasis is not like, oh, can everyone see the game? Okay. It's like it's like. What concessions do you got? How much Wi-Fi? Yeah, you Wi-Fi. Got? Do you have plugins? Do you have suites where guy people can like sit at a bar and watch the game on TV, like while the game's going on, like two hundred feet away from them? It's, I mean, it's kind of the our venues. If you look at the stadium stadium construction over the last, I want to say ten years, especially, have just turned into 
okay, what, what are we bringing to the table besides sports? Like the product in the field does does not well, matter. Well, as go much go as go back things. go back to like what what you felt when the Padres left Qualcomm. Granted, Petco Park is an amazing place, well, or even or even like Wrigley. Like I mean, there's a probably one percent chance the Cubs ever leave Wrigley. But if it did, imagine how weird it would be. I don't know, but I mean, in a certain way, it's it felt like uh, when the Padres bounced from Jack Murphy to the new Petco, it was like well, not that they finally arrived, but. I kind of like the idea of them having a dedicated ballpark. For oh, them. instead of sharing it with sharing the Chargers. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's Chargers. a weird. Qualcomm's Qualcomm, a weird I deal. think, seats 54,000 people. Yeah. I mean, it's an insanely large facility. And Petco, while the performance on the field tends not to be very good, at least the seating and the concessions and where oh, you're yeah. sitting is gorgeous. Yeah. It's yeah, a no. great place to watch a game. Right. You just have a per, you know a perennial 500-ball team that you're rooting for out there. But look at Transitioning the, to the Cubs. Uh, well, I was just going to say, looking at the new Yankee Stadium, I mean... It's kind of got the same attributes as... But it has no, I have no desire to go to the new Yankee Stadium. I'm a big baseball fan, and having been to the old one twice, I I feel like, what am I going to see there? It's going to be like shopping at Nordstrom's. I can't afford it. But, but I don't that's, like being there. You want to go that's to Nordstrom's? That's the point, Rack. though. You don't have the money. But casual baseball fans, people who aren't going to go to a game except for other things to do, that it's a, basically a social area where you can gather, drink, you know, use your phone, like do other things... People with money who may not be dedicated baseball fans like Joe Schmo or Benny Raskin, like it's just, <laughs> it's just like that's who they're going for. I mean, the owners realize the the money doesn't come from guys who make you know I'm not going to comment, but guys who make normal salaries and like study stats no, all year. That's very true, and I think look at I would imagine most season ticket holders are people who are on the up, upside of of personal but, you know, money making. But you know, but there's an intimacy, <laughs> you know. Rio Tinto is like it's kind of the best of both worlds there. You got a team that you can easily root for as a fan, you know, casual or even uh, you know, um, in the, while sitting in the riot. Right. But uh, the field itself and how it's designed, I mean, it's very accommodating to check out the sport and actually feel like you're part of the action. And maybe because it does lack some bells and whistles, that's not a negative. I don't sure. think it's pejorative. No. I, think, I think the fact that your focus it's, is directly on the it's field. It's down to the nitty-gritty. Yeah, right? it's like you're watching soccer, and you're getting to watch your team in, a, in by all accounts, a really cool venue. Yeah. You know? it, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the motif is. Well, the, the general consensus that I've talked to you know, beat writers and national beat writers in soccer across the country is that Rio Tinto is one of their favorite places to come. I think they named Rio Tinto, they named PPL Park in Philadelphia, and obviously CenturyLink and, and the Red Bull Stadium in New Jersey. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's it, it has its own personality. But I don't know. In terms Levi's, don't give me that. They're yeah. not The Niners aren't even going to make the playoffs this year because they left Candlestick. I mean, the, the star at Rio Tinto is the game. You know, it's kind of yeah. like their whole the team is the star thing. Same idea. The game is the star. You know, you go to Petco and, well, let's – Let's go and play in the sandbox beyond center field, or you look at um, whatever the, the baseball stadium in oh Miami, in Phoenix is now. Uh, yeah, the Dolphin yeah. Tank in, or whatever, Phoenix, they, fish tank. Yeah. Well, they in have Phoenix, the, the hot the tub. aquariums behind the uh, behind the Cincinnati the right now. They have a they have a bar that has 101 beers on tap, and it, it runs like 300 feet down. I mean, yeah. who would not? That's enough to t- take you away from a couple of innings to go just yeah. check it out. If yeah. not, to order a drink. Yeah. You'll spend more time looking at the menu than you do watching. Right. Watch no, the I, game. So what does that say? Is the crux of this conversation that we're a distracted society? 
No, I, th- I think it's, I think yes. we're, the well, yeah, crux of the conversation is that the, the people the who have money aren't, aren't like hardcore sports fans. No. Yeah, you're, gener- yeah, you're yeah, generalizing no, a little that. bit. I don't buy that. I, I think what you're trying to do is you're trying to give people as many reasons as you can to come spend cash, whether that is the product on the field or whether that is a skybox, whether that's the, the 101 beers on tap. Jumbotron. You're, you're trying to, to draw in as large of an audience as possible in order to maximize your revenue. I will say this, so I went to one jazz game last year too, and it is distracting. Yeah, it's it daunting. It, I it's, mean, it's so, it's almost Especially open. being in oh, the yeah. upper bowl. Were you in yeah. the upper bowl? No, I was, uh, hey, please, sorry, man. Please. Yeah. Sorry. The upper bowl? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was in the upper bowl, and you, I mean, you, it's almost like you have to just put uh, your hand above your eyes to just shield yourself from. Because there are flashing lights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, the you game. know, but I've, I've seen before, before the big screen came in, I used to sit up in the upper bowl, and it was nice having that decent sized monitor to yeah. kind of check it out a little bit because yeah, no, it's, sure. it's a distance away. Now it's like I'm in uh, Falk's basement watching that big screen. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's the exact same absolutely. experience, and it takes a lot of it away. Yeah. Never been in Falk's basement. Quite nice. <laughs> it's got a nice TV. I don't, know if that's a good, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Transition. Well, transition to, I'm going to kind of hit the second side on this with the Levi, is like uh, the influence of Madden football. You know, I mean, is uh, it does seem like all these stadiums are being designed, not just with the amenities, but it's sort of like the game drives the sport as much as the sport drives the game to a certain extent. How it just feels like everything has to be interactive. I mean, as reporters, as guys who do cover these games, I mean, can you enjoy what you're seeing on there, or do you need to have all the peripheral facts and figures, not just to report on, but rather to kind of appreciate what you're seeing out there? I'm not sure where, where you're going with the that. The question with this would be, is like uh, certain wide receiver catches a uh, 15-yard slot route, and, you know, like, is it just enough to watch the player catch that, or do you need to have that, this is the, his, uh, he was looked at 15 times in the prior game, this is his 12th reception of blah, 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 you know. The overstatification. The overstatification. Well, I, I, that's a word I, I think it's not necessarily Madden. I think that's an effect of fantasy football. football yeah. Fantasy Ooh. football drives me crazy because I was just, like I was watching the Ravens play on uh, last Thursday, and, you know, I was already kind of upset about Ray Rice. And, and then I'm, like, watching – I'm watching this game. The Ravens are winning handily. By 20 points, and I'm pissed. I'm pissed that the Ravens are beating their arch know, rival by 20 points. But you know why I was upset? Because I started Dennis Pitta instead of Owen Daniels, and <laughs> Owen Daniels caught two touchdowns. How stupid is that? Like, how, how, like, how stupid are our different motivations for, you know, what we want to see on a football field? It's like you can, you can be watching one game and be rooting for, you know, the Eagles – to only run the ball and you know the I don't know the Giants to only only throw it Eli Manning just throwing like a, bil- a billion passes and you're taking yeah. a risk on the Cowboys having a great defense this game and but it, and, it just kind of like know, convolutes you, the loyalties it convolutes how you experience the game um, you know it, it drives me crazy but then again how long have you been playing for uh, since I was in college so so like eight Two years, eight years. <laughs> So, long time. But, yeah, it's, I mean, but that's the whole thing. It's like experiencing fantasy football like that is not about necessarily the game, but trash talking your friends. Well, it's, it's, it, it is completely numbers driven. And, yeah, I, I suppose that that would lead to the overstatification. That, that's a trademark word now, by the way. 
from uh, Mr. Camo. Your yes, over statification. I mean, uh, you know what though? Now, now see, Kyle, I agree as a fan that that's that's the reason why fantasy football has a lot to do with that. Now, I think as a reporter, that you can get too wrapped up in those stats, and I've always said you write about the people. So, um, I think as a reporter, you got to be careful of it. But as a fantasy football fan, man, you better not fumble, and you better get a two point conversion. <laughs> well, like the, it, it's funny because if you look at the NFL, like half of the NFL coverage relates to fantasy football. That's why we have reporters like ESPN literally will have a reporter at every game, sort of like a sideline reporter, but like hours before the game starts being like, hey, this guy's going to start. This guy's going to might be held out. This guy might like people Bigger honestly did Bigger. not care that much about those kinds of things like who's, you know, who's probable, who's, you know, improbable. And I, I, I feel I, no, 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 really, though, like it's it's a start sit type deal. That's the industry. Um, that's why it's that's why it's as valuable as it is. I think that's half of it. I think the other half is the uh, those who enjoy putting a couple dollars down on the game. That that's also true. It's, I think it's split. Yes, fantasy football is a big part of it. But the other half is, you know, if you want to lay down your bets, you want to make sure that you have the most information available, and that's where you want to know who's sitting, who isn't, so that you can make a in, an informed decision before you go down the line. So you're like a second tier fan almost. Like you need to have all this additional information just to appreciate the game then. You know? well, it's, like I, it's not just casual anymore for a lot of these people. It, it's by gambling and by playing fantasy sports. I, it's I, I still think the highlight is king and like, you know, amazing plays are, are always going to be sort of the cake takers when it comes to the NFL. Um, and guys making one-handed catches or you know, someone blowing open, you know, uh, Marshawn Lynch, like, blowing by, like, five or six tacklers, a huge touchdown run. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a a bigger portion of of the industry than it was back in the day. And I think that's a huge reason why the NFL has seen such great popularity and growth, which is now at risk, by the way, with all this this crap going on. I I, I think that that there's a lot of... uh, outrage about what's going on and I think that uh, for the most part um, it's very sound and, and I, under, I I certainly understand it but I don't think it's going to affect the popularity of the sport I think that it's just football is too popular and you're out I think that what happens too often um, is that you express your outrage and then Sunday comes and you want to sit on the couch you want to relax and you want to just watch a football game I think a lot of fans, too, also have very short memories. I mean, two weeks ago on this podcast, we talked about Max Hall at length and, you know, wondering what was going through his head. And three weeks before that, we're talking about Wilson with his underage drinking ticket. I mean, that's nothing you you don't even read about. It's not even being discussed. Yeah, I I think that these... But I know... These are a little bit more serious. No, I I get that. And that's... Which is what you'd want the conversation, not to go doom and gloom on this, but you want the conversation is is that there's a a problem with uh, player... Conduct that you know doesn't and it seems to be getting a pass because they are star football players with making millions of dollars, but you know yeah. they, they do some pretty nefarious things when they're not on the gridiron. You well, said I, no doom and gloom. I'm sorry about right. that. Right. Well, but Kyle's going to Michigan <laughs> in like two days. That that uh, you know, but the, there's truth in that, and that sports is supposed to be a distraction. You're, it's supposed to be a chance to you throw all your energy into 
rooting for a team, which really, when it comes down to it, it's just a shirt and a hat. Um, but you, you get wrapped up in it. You enjoy it. You love it. You want it to be a distraction. You don't want it to be a continuation of all the junk going on. And and so that's why I think that Kyle going to Michigan is such a good idea. Yeah, Kyle. Not so bad, huh, Chris? That's that's transition. 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 So, uh, where are you going this weekend, Kyle? What? Any plans, Kyle? What's your I, flight? What's I'm this? going to Austin, Texas. What's your flight plan like? Is it direct, or you got to oh, stop in? Um, I think been I might have one stop before? in Colorado. Um, have I ever been to Detroit? Yeah. Uh, no, I've never been Dude, to Detroit. Detroit's awesome. You're gonna have a good time. It's so scary. <laughs> As a sports reporter who travels, so that has to be the best word in the business. Oh, is uh, nonstop, right? <laughs> nonstop. Yeah, that's kind of. Uh, what we're all hoping for when we is there a tigers are there tigers in town um you know i haven't checked that i'll check Honestly. it for you right now last yeah. time i know when i went I know in 2008 the lions, we, i know the lions are playing at home at home yeah. oh, that's nice kirk kirk gonna, gonna go i'm gonna no, they're, off on that. tigers are uh in kansas city so. oh it's just a little drive down yeah yeah a little bit <laughs> so well, red wings uh they open camp yet probably not mm, no, no. Um, but yeah, it's, it's you're gonna go over to Windsor. You're gonna go check it out. Eight mile. Head over to Canada. <laughs> Lot lots of trouble to be had over there in Windsor. Be careful, Kyle Goon. I don't want you getting arrested. You're gonna. <laughs> you, you gotta. You gotta be careful over there. That's a foreign country. This is the most podcast podcast we've ever done. Yeah. Well, I think this. Well, considering we're 22 minutes into it, it's everyone That's who's it? listening. Yeah. That's good. We still have. 22 minutes to talk about Utah and Michigan. Oh, we got 20 more minutes of what's Kyle going to do without letting him answer. Well, before we jump onto the Michigan, I mean, like, where did No, where we already jumped on Michigan. Yeah. We already jumped on Michigan? Yeah. I want to transition off of Michigan. All right. No, no, no. And no, no, no. Kyle has to tell All us right. what he's going to do. Okay. When do you come back? I come back Sunday. I am not picking you up from the airport. And Why not? any listeners <laughs> out there. Because I will be busy on Sunday. Any listeners uh, out there who are willing to pick up Kyle Goon from the airport, he'd he, is, he is at Kyle Goon. At on Kyle Goon on Twitter. <laughs> shoot him a message. All right, so, all right, so you fly out on Friday. You're going to Eight Mile. You're going to Windsor. What else are you doing? Uh, I've, I've heard. Chili, uh, chili, chili dogs. Well, yeah, I want to try Coney Dog, a real Coney Dog. Yes. Um, you know Coney Island is not in Detroit, right? No, they're I know they're, I know it's not Coney Island, but okay, it's I'm a Coney Dog. Okay. It's the a real only deal. Time I, get I saw it on Anthony Bourdain. He yeah. would never lie. Of course not. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming I'm onions, also going. I, 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 that's the only time I've actually ordered extra onions on anything in my entire life. Paid for it, too. Nice. I, I am assuming I'm also going to see Houses on Fire because Detroit has the worst rate of arson in the entire country, yeah. which I also saw in Anthony. They might have already been burned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so you, you get in Friday, you go in with Gordon? No, no, Kurt. Kurt. Kurt, Kurt um, so, Kurt, so Kurt and I are going to drive down to Ann Arbor on uh, Saturday morning. How bad, do you, how bad do you anticipate the traffic to be on that? Oh, it's gonna be so terrible. Don't, I mean, not staying in Ann Arbor. You might want to no. leave Friday. Oof. Don't they? I mean, isn't the state you you covered yeah. the game there for the with the, when you were at Utah? Yeah. Yeah. Was it a hundred thousand students? Yep. Yeah. No, it's not Man. students. It's it's awesome. it's a hundred I mean, hundred thousand seater. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, you're gonna have to leave at like seven, maybe earlier. I don't doubt it. <laughs> Friday. So, so, but I'm a, I'm hoping Kurt knows what he's doing. He usually does. Um, Kurt's so. driving or Kyle's driving. Kurt, Kurt is driving. Careful. Kurt has a tendency to get a little close to the traffic in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can I tell this story for a second? Yeah. Dude, we're only like Utah, 25 minutes. The, uh, the Kurt Craigthorpe story of uh, Tony, Kurt, and I 
are driving to Utah State BYU. Yeah, Utah State BYU last year. And at Provo or Logan? To Logan. Okay. And Kurt drives because Kurt always rents a car and drives. And he, uh, we're the, the, of the three of us, who's the least likely to get a traffic ticket? Tony Jones. Kyle Jones. <laughs> Tony Jones is asleep in the back seat. <laughs> and I'm, you know, just making small talk with Kurt. And we get right out of Sardine Canyon and we're immediately pulled over. And Kurt musters the closest thing to anger that he can get. It's like, what? Why? Why is this happening? <laughs> and like, he he's like trying to figure out if he was going. He, I don't think he was speeding because he had cruise control and he was going like 60 or whatever. But the cop comes up to the window and says, "Excuse me, sir, you were uh, you were too close to the car in front of you." And Kurt is just like, you, you know, you know, Kurt. Like he's not one quick to anger but for in Kurt emotions this is him getting Rage. indignant <laughs> and like but the only thing that saved us was we were carrying a, a photo lens um, to to the game for our photographer Leah Hoxton and uh, and we the cops saw the photo lens figured somehow that it meant we were important and said he'd just leave us with a warning that's why I drive with a photo lens in my truck all the time yeah I know that's smart. Smart. You're yeah. welcome, by the way. Oh, in the mouth of babes. So um, it's interesting because then last year, uh, Kyle, myself, and Kurt went up to uh, Logan again for uh, um, it was the, when they won the, the wow. conference title. Nice. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, it was, well, well who's going to drive? And, and Kurt's like, oh, I'll drive. And then he's like, you know what? <laughs> We're going to Logan. You better drive. And so I ended up driving just uh, you know, help out Kurt. You took you went to Logan without Aaron and I. You, did you? Any Logan here as a bet too? Did you? No, I, Kyle, you were in the car. Dude, Kyle. What, what always, we weren't eating Logan here. Hamid always asks asks Kyle how I am. So. You did. <laughs> yeah, he does. So I'm sorry. When, when, when I've gone without you, Chris, he's also asked. Do you know Chris Camarani? Oh yeah. And then usually you get a discount on your sandwich. And then I also get asked, is Jason Bergreen still with the paper four years later? Yes, always. But. Well, transitioning back to Michigan. They're heroes. (laughs) And sometimes in Michigan they have heroes. There you go, Ben. They need a hero. They do. What are they? I don't think think Brady Hope is their hero. But they they did did lose to Notre Dame 31 to nothing. And in Ann Arbor, that is not good. So f- fans are um, definitely a little bit fired up, um, you know. I was, was How well do you think Utah's going to travel for this? Do you think there's going to be a lot of uh, people making the trip from Salt Lake to cheer on the Utes? Um, I don't think there's going to be a significant. I mean, there's probably going to be, you know, probably a couple hundred, I would guess, but but I'm not sure that there's going to be a lot of people. All right, I don't uh, think you're going to put out. So which which would cause fans to go more crazy? Would Utes fans go crazier at the win if Utah can pull it off? Or would Michigan fans blow their minds at a loss? Which would be the the bigger reaction? Oh, bigger reaction, the same thing. If Utah wins, which is going to cause the bigger reaction? It's got to be Michigan losing to Utah. I mean, they're still favored in this game by four points, even though most people are pretty convinced it's a down year for Michigan. Yeah, but home field's worth three and a half. Home, <laughs> you've shown a lot of uh, knowledge about the lines there. Um, 
No, I, I mean, you know, it's just like Utah, you know, a, a win over Michigan is great, but they're going to play bigger teams this year. And, and that's just the truth now. I mean, that's the truth of Utah's schedule now. And while going to the big house is exciting and playing on ABC Regional is exciting, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal, don't get me wrong, but uh, some Utah fans are already expecting to win this game. And, you know, when you kind of put them on paper, like right now, it looks like Utah has a slight advantage. Walk us through that piece of paper. Like, where are we going to, where is the Utes going to be looking particularly strong? Where do they uh, not match up so well? So, the, I think the best matchup they have on offense is in their passing game, where their receivers, Drez Anderson and Kenneth Scott, um, they have kind of the speed and size, um, respectively, to kind of do some damage against Michigan secondary that's kind of been a little tenuous. They didn't have their uh, starting starting safety or starting corner last week, and I think they've been experimenting a little with rotation and seeing, you know, who kind of fits in those areas still. So I think it's a really good chance if Travis Wilson is feeling up to it, and, and if if he can kind of uh, work under pressure, it's a really good chance for um, him to kind of show what he can do with his receiving weapons. And then on the other side of the ball, I think, you know, if Utah can stop the run. They're going to force Devin Gardner, Michigan's quarterback, to throw the ball a little bit. And he's already thrown four interceptions this year, and, and he's been turnover prone in general throughout his career under pressure. So Utah's just got to put, put the pressure on him to, to win the game, and a lot of times he's not been able to do that. You were on the conference call with Brady Hoke. Yeah. Interested, what was his general consensus with, with on the conference call? I mean, did he sound a little – Antsy. I mean, I don't know how many times you've talked to Mr. Hope before, but what was well, it? How he, did he compare to He's kind of playing calls? the game of, oh, Utah. I think the literal adjective he used was scary. Utah's offense is a little bit scary. A, little bit scary. a lot of Utes fans would agree that, yeah, this scares me a little bit. <laughs> um, but, but that's kind of his game right now. Like, Utah's kind of the – or we're giving them every respect. I mean, Utah's – Stats are certainly boosted by playing Idaho State and Fresno State in the in the first game, um, so this is kind of really when what we when we'll see what the real Utes are is what a lot of people kind of consider this to be. So I mean, obviously they they're probably hoping to have this buy sometime in November, but since they're coming off a of buy, are you think that's going to work towards their advantage against a, a Michigan team that kind of got their hat handed to them last week? It's it's hard to tell. Well, it didn't. It wasn't last week. It was two weeks ago, and they won last week. But the team they beat has lost 19 straight games now, and they're the worst team. It? Miami of Ohio. Oh, okay. They're considered to be the worst team in FBS right now. Um, so it's not like they beat them 34 to 10. Okay, like yeah, that's good. It's just maybe not quite Michigan good. So it's it's just there's definitely unrest up there. But as far as Utah preparing, um, you know, I don't know. It, it does seem like maybe there's a little extra tension um, because Utah themselves haven't performed well on the road. They've only won uh, one of their last nine games outside of the state. So they've beaten up on BYU for sure. But um, and, Was that and Arizona they w- two, that two years ago? Was it when they beat Arizona? No, they. Um, I think Arizona was three. Colorado. It was two years ago when they beat Colorado. So, um, yeah, they've just they've been struggling to kind of put it all together. So for me, transitioning again, looking at what a win would do 
on Saturday to put Utah suddenly through just three wins away from being bowl eligible. And with the Pac-12 South specifically not looking amazingly strong as it was once viewed, I mean, those next few games are going to be tough. But Washington State and UCLA, do you think there's a chance that Utah could roll into you know week six four and one? It's five and zero. Oh? It's certainly possible. Um, you know, Washington State. I don't know if anyone really understands them right now because franchise. Well, they've got a franchise quarterback up there, so careful. They had a hard um, time against uh, Nevada a couple. Weeks yeah, they too. their offense did nothing against Nevada, and you're sort of like, well. Why is that? And and they you know they had a shootout against Rutgers. Their offense completely stalled out against Nevada, and then they beat up on Portland State, which, which tells you what. Okay. And then they're going to play Oregon this week. So yeah, it's like, sure. okay, well we're not going to know much about Washington State going in that game. So I, I mean, yeah, they can throw, but it certainly I think at this point, if you're Utah and you win Michigan, then you have to expect to beat Washington State, especially since you're at home. And then UCLA, going to UCLA, that's going to be tougher. But UCLA hasn't quite looked yeah. like itself. And even though I think Brett Hundley is actually back, I think he was back in practice today, um, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's certainly a chance. Um, you know, I think Utah really – I think that's another reason Utah has to prove that they can win on the road um, this weekend. So going into UCLA, they at least have one road win at their back. And, and go in that game with a little confidence. Is the Pac-12 South wide open right now? I mean, with, you know, you, I know some have only played maybe, I don't know if anyone has played a, a Pac-12 game yet in the South, but... Uh, you, USC has beaten Stanford. Okay, right, but Oops. USC, and then USC beat Stanford on the road, and then they go to Boston College, and BC run for like 424 yards on them. It, it's unbelievable. Like, I, yeah, I, I, people have talked about this, and Kurt wrote a column about this yesterday, I yeah I have no idea what's going on in the Pac-12 South because yeah like you said it's just a bunch of vexing results where USC looked like it might be the class of the Pac-12 South then they and it wasn't just that they gave up 420 rushing yards they only had 20 rushing yards wow. which wow. was after like they had the run pretty well the first couple of weeks right that I think that might be the record for lowest rushing yards in wow. in a USC game if not like the record for like 40 or 50 years or something mm -hmm. like that. So it's, I mean, I don't know. And UCLA has won three games. They haven't looked particularly impressive. Arizona State might actually be the best-looking team of any in the Pac-12 South, but they just lost Taylor Kelly. So and how long is he going to be out? It looks like um, I've, I've heard anywhere weeks. from two games to a month. Wow. So that, that definitely for UCLA, they're going to play UCLA next weekend. Um, they're going to have their backup start. But, you know, who knows? Arizona's young. They, they're 3-0, but they're young. I don't know. Utah's looking in pretty good position right now if they can get a win this weekend. And transitioning. I think yeah. that Utah better because yeah. BYU is looking awfully good too and is nationally ranked. You know, yeah. I, you and uh, your esteemed colleague, Mr. Piper, have written about, you guys wrote about the assistant coaches at Utah not only being on – their contracts are only for this year. That was actually Gordon Monson. Yeah, Gordon. Well, it was all three of you. <laughs> I'd wrap you all into one. Um, but I think Utah needs to produce, especially if BYU here is getting itself ranked and mm -hmm. things are lining up pretty nicely for the Cougars. They're, at some point, if you're trying to 
put together a winning program and trying to raise money, people are going to start saying, well, why can't why can't uh, Kyle do what Broncos do? Now, obviously, you're talking one is an independent. You have to one is the in the Pac-12, but I mean the, te- the, the Texas win looks amazing considering how what, yeah. how well Texas played UCLA, especially to go down there. But to barely beat Houston at home, who lost by 20 points to UT San Antonio, the Roadrunners, man. Mm-hmm. I think if I think if Utah beats Michigan, I think they they'll sneak into the top twenty five this week. Ultimately, I do too. Yeah. I think ultimately, I think Kyle Whittingham's job is about the Pac twelve. It's about yeah. are you gonna are you gonna get some are you gonna make some ground up this year? Are you gonna get bowl eligible? Are you gonna win three Pac twelve games? Right. That's what that's the basically the bottom line of what he has to do. Are you, um, are you suggesting that maybe he's uh position at the U could be in jeopardy if that doesn't happen? Um, you know, I think, you know, referencing Gordon Gordon's column um, where the assistant, co- assistant coaches haven't been rolled over um, as they usually are, um, you know, there certainly is some signs that there could be some kind of upheaval, and I'm not in position really to say whether that means Kyle Whittingham's job or not, but I do think that's the baseline for certainly – any kind of considering the season, any kind of success. I mean, if you think about it, it's like every game's a must-win, and every coach's head's on the chopping block. You know, it's like you have to go out there and produce and win, and you know, find bowl games at the end of every season to continue working in the, the trade that you've chosen. Well, the Pac-12 is just just immensely difficult as opposed to what it was when Utah came in. Yeah. I mean, the Pac even before, if if some of those 2008 nine teams were in the Pac-12 when the Pac-12 was down, they they probably were contending for a Pac-12, Pac-10, sorry, Pac-10 championship. And now to to struggle and win, I think, two Pac-12 road games and since they've since they've come into the league, it's tough. You and you have to get bowl eligible. I mean, that's that's the I think that's the biggest marker you have to hit. And in the Pac-12, it's tough. I mean, you have Washington State, UCLA, and Oregon State. Those are your first three Pac-12 games, but two on the road. And then after that. It looks Your like, USC, Arizona State, Oregon, Stanford. It's a murder. That's that's, that's insane. A, I mean, and you you ha- they'll be lucky to get Steve one Austin of those games. Sc- a broken skull challenge there. You know, I mean, Washington State. I'm with you. Is probably it's possibly a win. But looking to the rest of that, I mean, you have to beat Washington I, State. You have to beat Oregon State. And I, then, yeah, I think Oregon State's definitely beatable. And I th- but of those of those five that we're talking about that are ranked UCLA. USC, Oregon, Oregon Stanford, Arizona and State. Arizona State. State, you have to steal at least one win. At least. And, and if you're Kyle Whittingham, hopefully two. And then take care of, and then back into the schedule, Arizona and Colorado. Yeah, I mean, and take care of business there. Yeah. Wow. So it's it's crazy. I mean, it's yeah. it's, well, it's yes, tough. Well, being that ranked is one of the toughest schedule, uh, schedules in the nation. I mean, it's yeah, no, certainly yeah. shaping that way. Yeah. I mean, those, those like Chris said, I mean, those – Six games in a row from UCLA to uh, Stanford. Stanford is is just brutal. Um, it's it's just and they're not going to have that next year. We we actually just saw their 2015 schedule and it's going to be a lot more balanced and they're not going to have to play Stanford. But um, you know this year it's just that stretch that's the season defining stretch and it'll be kind of all the chips on the table right when that and, happens. And for me, I think that stretch will. If Utah's healthy, I think they'll be able to compete. But if you see guys 
go down with injury over the next few weeks, I think that's going to be a real, real tough go for them to tend to that stretch. I mean, and, and they're playing well. And like Kyle said, they haven't played the best teams the first two weeks. And we're going fe- to we're going to see who Utah is because if Michigan needed to get up for any game early on in the season, it's this game considering how things have gone. So they're not going to be surprised by Utah. So let me ask you this, though. In four years with recruitment, with the new class they'll be going into the U, I mean, let's say the Utes just get their just their tails kicked in for the rest of the year, which it could very well based upon the schedule and stuff like that. Could that, I mean, how, how do you think that would uh, deal with recruiting for next year? Um, I mean, not good. Not good. I mean, so, I mean, not only is this an important schedule to kind of go you through so you can make it be bowl eligible, I mean, sort of looking at how the next group of youths are going to be coming to the university. I mean, that's definitely something to think about. Yeah, I mean, that... I mean, we could be looking back three years from now, like, why are they so bad? Well, it's probably because they had a, a horrific schedule they agreed to. Well, the, it's... Oh, <laughs> well, first of all, it wasn't like the, um, the Pac-12 was like, hey, this schedule with Oregon know, and Stanford, I'm, I'm hey, that, are you, you know, cool with this? <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's, that's a problem for any program that struggles, you know? I mean, I think... And I think, you know... Referencing back to Kyle Whittingham's job security, you know, I'm like I'm not saying that his job is necessarily on the line this year, but there that doesn't prevent other coaches from saying, "Hey, Kyle Whittingham's job is on the line this year." I mean, we've already heard about negative recruiting against Utah, based on their results on the field and and based on speculation, not facts, but speculation about. Kyle Whittingham's job. Which isn't security. specific to Utah. It happens Which all isn't over specific the to Utah. And there'd be no sports podcast if there's a speculation, you know. <laughs> but but it's just, you know, yeah, it, it definitely can hurt. And and having a bad season this year, you're right, can hurt for a number of years. Not only for Kyle Whittingham, but if if, you know, he does somehow tank and lose his job this year. You know, for the program at large, it's probably going to take a long time to build back up. It could be a power vacuum. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I honestly, I think Utah's best chance for near success is going to be to stick with Kyle Whittingham and just say he's our guy. And, and right now, for better or worse, unless he tanks, he's going he's gonna to be our guy because he's just – the staff has just worked over years to, to – for, for three years to even make them – Rel- competitive on a talent level with Pac-12 to even make them near as fast and athletic as guys in the Pac-12. And, you know, you lose this staff and, well, I mean, if you lose a season, yeah, like, you know, coaches have to be held accountable. But if you lose the staff, you know, you kind of lose what those guys tried to build, build and you it's not an instant rebuild for anyone new coming in. And let's not forget it's insanely early. I mean, we you can't I, – I hate to be the take the cliche in, into account, but you can't take anything away from those first two games. Literally nothing. From right. my, from for me watching those two games, I learned nothing about what this Utah team is. And I think Saturday will be the the, the first real lit, litmus test, and then after that, we'll see. But to get to to get two wins early on in the season, and maybe three Saturday, to get toward their first bowl game, bowl game in this will be two years, right? They haven't made it in two years. Yep. So I mean that that's for that has to be the 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 end goal. Mm-hmm. So what time's kickoff on Saturday? It's at one thirty Mountain Time. One thirty Mountain Time. So and, uh, I th- I think it should be on ABC. If it's not yeah. on ABC for the local area, it's on ESPN two. Well, well, even better than watching the game is to follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Goon. I mean, probably the most prolific Twitter of the, anybody in this room. No. Undoubtedly. No. 
Uh, well, second only to Kevin. No, to Benny Raskin. <laughs> Although... Well, Fairmont Park has been particularly kind to me the last couple of hikes I've gone to there. Yes. Um, anyway, we're going to be wrapping this up for this week. Uh, follow Kyle on Twitter. He's going to be out in Ann Arbor. And uh, Kevin the Utes versus Michigan. Chris Camarney will be doing RSL prep talks and basically anything else out there. And Kevin Winter Morris and I will be sitting behind a computer somewhere. So uh, thanks for listening. If you got any questions, tweet us. And thank you. Thank you.